Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, November 11, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and today we're going to be continuing our series of short episodes dedicated to the schools in the top 10 of my top 25 and 1. We're counting them down 10 to 1 on Monday. We focused on number 10, Wisconsin. On Tuesday, focused on number 9, Creighton. Today, we turn our attention to... Number eight, Duke. Norlander has the Blue Devils 12th in his 1 to 357 preseason rankings. I have them ranked eighth, which again is why we're talking about them today. We'll tell you what's to like and dislike about Coach K's team momentarily. But first, check this out. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Okay, Norlander, today the subject matter is Duke, which last season went 25-6 and six overall, 15-5 and five in the ACC. That was good enough to lock them in a tie for second in the league standings with Louisville and Virginia. They finished one game back in the league standings of first place Florida State. They finished fifth at Kempom. The top three scores from that team, Vernon Carey, Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley, all gone. Each entered the NBA draft early. Alex O'Connell, also gone, transferred to Creighton. So Duke is only returning Two of the top six scores from last season's team, but as is always the case, they have enrolled an elite recruiting class featuring four five-star prospects, most notably Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. Norlander Duke has finished in the top 10 at Kempom in three straight seasons and in six of the past eight years. I'm trusting that the Blue Devils will do it again. Why don't you trust that the Blue Devils will do it again? This is the weakest incoming freshman class that Mike Krzyzewski has had, in my opinion, in a while. And it's all relative, obviously highly ranked, but compared to recent groupings, trios, if you will, uh, DJ Stewart, Jalen Johnson, Jeremy Roach, uh, as you mentioned, uh, certainly really, you know, Stewart and Roach are going to be in the backcourt. Jalen Johnson's a power forward who's the best of the group there. Um, as you're listening to this, by the way, our top 101 players list posted on Wednesday, so you'll know that Jalen Johnson is on that list at at uh, at 47. So he's the only freshman that made that list. This is a team with some good potential, but just I, I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not really all in on Duke as a as a Final Four front runner. Um, the small things like, and I don't have the answers to this, but and it's not just Mike Krzyzewski. But you know, it's it's been a, an off season of COVID. Like, how much has how much has 
Krzyzewski been able to be around a team, a group of young guys this year versus what he has been always in years past. So it might be the talent might be a little bit less and the season prep might be a little bit less. And so maybe those things kind of add up. And so that's why, again, our differences aren't grand. You've got them eight. I've got them 12. But I don't think that Duke is a preseason top 10 team. I will note Duke is third at Ken Palm, which was surprising to me in, in the preseason rankings, only behind Baylor and Gonzaga there. So we'll, we'll wait and see. They've got some talent. And we can get to that in a second. But that's, you know, that's my quick assessment is why I've got them relatively lower and outside the top 10, whereas you said they've made it six of the past eight years at season's end at Ken Palm. The point you make about Mike in these COVID times, I do think is important. He's 73 years old. I don't want to say that he has been more careful than a 45-year-old coach, but he should have been more careful and should still be more careful than a 45-year-old head coach. He is, just based on nothing more than his age, according to the CDC, at high risk of serious illness or even death of if he were to, to get this virus. And so... I know that in ACC coaching meetings during the offseason, he was one of the people pushing for uh, conference-only schedules. And I, I, I don't know that he ever expressed it this way, but certainly uh, the impression he left with some other ACC coaches was uh, – the impression they got was he's a 73-year-old man. He don't want to be bouncing around you know, the country playing – schools that aren't held to the same guidelines that ACC schools are going to be held to. Obviously, he's going to play non-conference games, but I, I do think it's reasonable to suggest that he has taken this very seriously, that he is aware of the uh, category his age puts him in, and, and, and maybe, maybe hasn't spent as much time on the court with his team as as he otherwise would in non-COVID times. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I had one ACC coach express this to me about two weeks ago that that coach's understanding was that Krzyzewski just was not quite able to be around the team as much as he normally would be. Not that he, you know, he's not MIA. And just, but in general, in the league, ACC coaches are very curious about, is Duke going to be an absolutely elite team or might they be a little bit vulnerable here because of the, of the, you know, the lead up to the season there? So just keep that in mind there again. Paris has some top 10. It's Duke. They usually figure it out, and, and they probably will again this season. I want to talk about something that I'm that baffled me on Wednesday morning. So we're recording this Wednesday morning after the ACC preseason stuff has come out, okay? Uh, ACC starts its media days today, and the preseason player of the year, as expected, Garrison Brooks out of North Carolina. Number one team, Virginia, as expected. Duke is two. Did you see the preseason first and second teams? Did you see that? I, the only thing I've seen at this moment is that Garrison Brooks was the preseason player of the year. How about this? Okay, so I mentioned our top 101 players list, which you can, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you can go check out on CBSSports.com or on the CBS Sports app. Matthew Hurt isn't on the first or the second team. And he got three first place, he got three votes for player of the year. Jalen Johnson's on the first team. What is going on? And this is, by the way, I voted for it. I don't know if you did, GP, did you wind up voting for uh the ACC preseason stuff, because they sent out a blast list to everyone. Not everyone takes it. I'm just curious if, if you also voted or not. I did not vote, but I would have Matthew Hurt certainly on one of the first, or one of the all-league teams, and perhaps on 
the first because I do believe he's going to be Duke's best player. And if I believe Duke is a preseason top, if I believe Duke's going to be a top 10 team, then Duke's best player is going to be an all-conference member. And by the way, John Shire, who is obviously former player, assistant coach at Duke, is on record saying he believes that Matthew Hurt will be the leading score, not the leading score every night, like Zion or RJ was the leading score basically every night. But, you know, when the season is over, you look at the top of the Duke box score, it'll, 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 it'll show Matthew Hurt as, as the leading score. He's added weight, um, yeah. apparently is enduring contact better, playing with a lot of confidence. I, I'm expecting them to have a terrific sophomore season. I am too, and yeah, you mentioned as the weight. I think he put on close to 15 pounds of muscle, which, which you mentioned enduring contact. That's the number one thing. If he is going to be more physical, can handle that, and it's not going to affect his shooting stroke, he shot 39% from three on 107 attempts last season. We're talking about now a 6'9", 230-pound uh, you know, stretch forward who can, who's got a great knack for scoring. He shot 57% from two-point range there. He averaged 9.6 Seven points, three point eight boards a season uh, per, per game last season. I would, I'm honestly expecting that to bump up to about fifteen and five, probably. And it was just, it's baffling how Matthew Hurt is not on the first or second team preseason All ACC team. That's and I, <laughs> that's just, I don't even get it. He's going to be their best player, um, so I wanted to address that on the pod. I think he will be their best player. Jalen Johnson or Wendell Moore will be the will, will be two or three. We've got Wendell Moore eighty nine on our list. Jalen Johnson, as, as I mentioned, low forties there. I think that's a pretty uh, definitive uh, top three. Jeremy Roach can maybe crack into that. I'll be interested to see what he does as the freshman lead guard for the Blue Devils. Uh, and I'm also interested to see, like, is Roach going to start right off the bat? Is is Kay going to go with Jordan Goldwire, who's now a senior? And again, he was he was always going to be kind of a, a role player for Duke. But now he's a senior. Will he maybe get some early burn uh, for the Blue Devils there? It is a fascinating team. Like, I do think, like, when we did our top 101, I'm pretty sure I was higher on Wendell more than anyone else because I think Wendell Moore has a good chance of being like a top 10 defender in college basketball this season. And if you tell me he's going to be a lockdown guy and then Hurt's going to vastly improve what he does on the offensive end, that, that that greatly improves Duke's overall profile there. And I do like Moore to make a huge like second-year pop. He was a good freshman in general, but I, I think that he'll really um, improve his overall ability and his value to this team. Uh, but I just, I don't yet know, I can't quite envision a Duke team that has this roster and how it's going to be able to establish itself for sure as like the number two team in the ACC within the first three, four weeks of the season. I just, I got to see Stewart. Didn't see a lot of Stewart on the, on the recruiting trail. So I'm not totally familiar with this game in terms of an in-person Jalen Johnson. I know he is good. I, I think he's a little overrated. I think he's a good player, maybe a smidge overrated, but we'll see. Maybe he'll just wind up being a volume guy, but um but if anything else, if you're taking a big picture takeaway from from us talking about Duke and, and heading into the season, at least it's a, a slight plot twist. Like we don't have Duke first, second, third, fourth, fifth. They're eighth, you know, according to GP. I got him twelfth, and that the variety is good. You know what? They they can have a little bit of motivation here, and we'll see exactly what they are in a matter of. By the way, two weeks. The season, yes, we are recording this podcast is scheduled to start two weeks from today. Typically, when at least in recent years, when you're excited about a Duke team, it is because of the incoming freshmen. I'm with you. Like, this is a heralded recruiting class with four five-star freshmen, but it's not Zion, RJ, Cam Reddish class. Uh, zero top 10 players in the class of 2020 are in this uh, Duke uh, freshman class. The highest rated is Jalen Johnson, who was ranked 12th in the class of 2020 um, by... 
uh, 24-7 sports. Um, the, the reason I have confidence in this Duke team is because of the, the returning players. And I know it's, it's just two of the top six scores, but I think Matthew Hurt's going to be terrific, and I think Wendell Moore is going to have, uh, you know, the, the type of normal progress that, that heralded and talented people usually have from their freshman to sophomore seasons. If you're trying to argue against Matthew Hurt, and again, I'm not. I think he's going to be very good. He was very limited toward the end of last season. You know, he started for Duke early. By the end of the year, he played, I think, fewer than 13 minutes in six of Duke's final 10 games. He only scored a total of seven points in Duke's final three games. So he trailed off a little bit. I think lost some confidence. But again, everything I've heard about this offseason is that he's playing with a lot of confidence. He looks good. He's shooting the ball really well. He's he's going to be terrific. And then with the war, he was a top 30 player coming out of high school. So heralded, sure, but not a projected one-and-done guy. Top 30 players typically are role players as freshmen, which is exactly what he was, and then they can break through and be something a little more special as sophomores, which is what I expect him to be. He averaged 7.4 points, 4.2 rebounds, playing 20.4 minutes per game, shot 80% from the free throw line. This is interesting. He didn't get to the free throw line a lot, but he had games where he got to the free throw line a lot. He had a 16 free throw game against Wake Forest. He had a 10 free throw game against North Carolina. If he can consistently get to the free throw line, and, and knock him down at an 80% clip, well, then there's that's where some of Duke's points are going to come from. Um, and, and I do think Matthew Hurd and Wendell Moore are both going to have very good sophomore seasons. And let's be clear, um, if they don't, then it's going to put a ceiling on what Duke can, can be because I don't think this freshman class is as gifted as last season's, certainly not as the season before. Yeah, a couple points from what you just mentioned there. Uh, I am 100% in agreement with you. If you tell me that Wendell Moore has a mild increase in his overall ability, Matthew Hurt is just, you know, a little bit better, then Duke is not going to be a top-four team in the ACC. I mean, I have them as high as I do because I do think that Wendell Moore is going to be uh, a lot better, and Matthew Hurt's going to take a huge jump because, uh, you know, I'm intrigued I'm intrigued to see what Stewart, Roach, and Johnson can do, but they're not going to be even what Kerry Jones uh, and Stanley were. I know Jones was a sophomore, but in terms of uh, the production between Kerry and Stanley last season, like, the Duke doesn't have a player like Stanley on the roster this season, just an athletic freak Um Really good defensive ceiling, incredible dunker, solid three-point shooter. He's he's gone. Carey, statistically, was one of the five best um, Duke freshmen of the of the past ten plus years. I mean, he was he was by far the best freshman in America last season. He's gone. Like that's a that's a significant significant departure. And not having Trey Jones, leadership, defense, improved his shooting. These things add up. They lose O'Connell. Not a big. That's not a big time thing. I will mention Joey Baker. He, you know, X factors overstating it, but might he be the kind of guy where we look up seven, eight, ten games in and say, well, you know, Joey Baker's actually kind of a guy that's been able to step in, hit some big shots, hit from deep, and, and kind of give Duke that extra, you know, that added like that classic Duke deal where it's you know it's like a seventy to sixty eight game and a tight game with three and a half minutes to go, and Baker hits the huge shot uh, to kind of give Duke uh, kind of the push over the edge. Um, he might be that kind of guy. Uh, I'm intrigued to. See I also want to mention this. I broke news last week that, uh, or actually, excuse me, Adam Zagoria broke news last week, and I confirmed it, that Michigan State will, in fact, be going to Duke 
for the Champions Classic on December 1st. Duke gets a break here with the schedule, and break is, you know, all relative, I guess, because it's going to have Illinois and the ACC Big Ten Challenge on December 8th, and that's at home. Duke's rotation is a home game this year, so they have maybe the best team in the Big Ten, Illinois, coming to their place, and then they get Michigan State at home in the Champions, which is obviously almost always on a neutral. Kansas and Kentucky will play their game in Indianapolis on a neutral, and if you're just wondering why, like, because trust me, when I when I shared a lot, when I shared this news, uh, the amount it's amazing. It's um, like Duke is the team in college basketball. Kentucky's right there close with them, but it's Duke. Whenever you tweet something about Duke or Mike Shashevsky, that can be uh, discussed in any kind of you know quote unquote controversial way. It's unbelievable. I mean, the amount of hate that Duke was getting for getting this home game against Michigan State in the Champions Classic in my mentions lasted more than twenty four hours. And the thing is, uh, a couple quick you know pieces of information so people are aware that I've been able to uh, get on background here. One, because the Big 12 and the SEC have different protocols in the ACC and the Big 10, the logistics of playing both those games in one building was going to be super messy. Like, that's a game where normally the first one happens, they have the college football playoff rankings reveal, and then 30 minutes later they do the second game. But, like, the changeover of that might have been like an hour, and they didn't even want to... They didn't want to put themselves in a position where it was... Because for TV purposes, you can't have that. This makes it much cleaner to do this, and I'm told that uh, Duke is going to pay for Michigan State's expenses to go and, and play this game at Duke. Duke's not going to have fans. Duke's going to have to return the game at some point. There's already cynicism that when the return happens, it's going to be in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, so I would hope that Duke, when it returns it, will return it as a standalone, um, and that would be next season, but we'll wait and see on that. But at least if you're Mike Krzyzewski, you came out the way you want to come out here. You're going to have Michigan State coming to your place on December 1st. You're going to have Illinois coming to your place on December 8th. So Duke is not going to leave its home venue until it, it has to, and that the first time it's scheduled to do that is on December 16th when it will play at Notre Dame uh, to start ACC play. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's been established. Uh, Duke will not have fans inside Cameron Indoor. Right. Like, it, it's not even like a, well, 10% capacity or 20%. It's zero. Won't even Nobody have print meet. GP. Print media won't even be there. there unless you are uh, uh, vital to actually the game going off, like a television broadcaster, player, official, like the, it, they're gonna, it's going to be scarce. It's going to actually be a really weird visual component to watching Duke games this year. It, it, it will be weird, but is it something our eyes have adjusted to at this point? Like we, we've watched baseball with no fans or very few fans. We're watching football every weekend with no fans or very few fans. It, it feels like it, Listen, Cameron Indoor is a place where the fans are very much a part of the experience and the picture, the visual. But our eyes have sort, at least my eyes have sort of just gotten used to this is what sports look like right now. I agree for the most part, but Duke is is different because the camera angles, it's got it's it's in the bird's nest, it's perched a little bit. We every time you watch a Duke game, you're so accustomed to the, let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Like there the chance the 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 players will probably adjust to it pretty quickly, but I think that's the one where it will be just because of the confines of the actual building there. They could pipe the chance in, right? I wonder if they... You bring up an interesting question there, an interesting scenario, if that will be allowed. I haven't even thought to ask anyone about that because in football, uh, that has been allowed, specifically in the NFL. There's a certain decibel limit they're allowed to reach within the stadium for the home team. And, I mean, I would think if I'm a, if I'm a player for either team, I almost want the white noise. You know, I don't... You know, not that you can't play without it, but you almost... If, if you're able to, through some sort of speaker system, provide a little bit of white noise, I, I figure that might be better, but uh, I don't have the answer for that. That's a good question. What would, what would Coach K want uh, the Duke students to... Like, defense. Yeah, let's go. Come on, Duke. 
know. Let's go do it. Come on, you know. The other thing that's interesting about this Duke team, and, and we can get out of here after this, is that you know last year they had a traditional big in Vernon Carey. Um, there's nothing traditional about Zion, but like he was a massive presence around the rim. Um, Marvin Bagley before that, uh, they could end up playing small a lot this season. With you know you could put Jalen Johnson in the middle and surround him with Jeremy Roach, DJ Stewart. I'm just throwing out names here: Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, and play. Um, you know, play, play, play small ball and really be effective like that. We might look up in January and, and, and wonder if, if they're better not using a traditional big and just trying to get the best five players on the court in whatever form. And so either way, I guess I'd bottom line it this way. Duke is always good. And so it's reasonable to just assume Duke is going to be good again. Like every time you mentioned tweeting about Duke and the hate that just overwhelms your Twitter feed. Every time you rank Duke in the preseason as somebody who, or every day of the season as somebody who does that, there's somebody out there waiting to tell you, oh, you're overrating Duke again. Duke is overrated again. I, I, I've said this before. It remains true. Duke is the most accurately rated team in America every year because we always assume that they're really good and they are always really good. They've won at Duke tw- at least 25 games in 13 straight seasons and 20 and 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 they've won at least 25 games in 22 of the past 23 years. Trivia time. Okay. What's the loan what's the loan exception? In the past, uh, it's got to be is it uh, this is straight off the top of my head. It's the uh, 06 07 season when they got beat by VCU. Shouts to Eric Mayner. Yeah, baby. That's impressive that you knew that right off the top of your head. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, well, you know, what can I say? There's a lot there's a lot rattling around up there. So yeah. How about how about that? That seems like the perfect place to end with Norlander doing a walk-off triathlon. Well, I'm out. <laughs> Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Eric Mayner. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Ion College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Can't wait till this thing is over. If you enjoy it, please tell somebody about it. If you haven't subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. I'd appreciate it. So would Norlander. And we will talk to you again real soon. And by real soon, I mean on Thursday when we preview the team that is ranked seventh in the top 25 and one. That's Bill Sells, Kansas Jayhawks. Till then, take care.